waiting on Mike Rupp. I also want to get into uh, a Bruce Cassidy clip on... Yeah. Nerds. (laughs) (laughs) Nerds! Analytics! Yeah. It's great. Same thing. And I will say this. Working with you, Mm -hmm. I've never uh, spent uh, that much time on it before or... You know, took the time to, and I'm thankful that you are into it a lot more than anyone I've ever worked with in the past. And there's parts of it that uh, I've I've enjoyed, and it has helped me connect the dots. Yeah, and it kind of many times it's kind of reinforced for me the things that I've seen optically as well. Yeah, and I think Bruce Bruce Cassidy has a an excellent uh, clip that we're gonna play a little uh, later on in the show that uh, I want everybody to hear because I, I think he nailed it pretty good. Yeah. JB. Yeah, I think it stats give a lot of credit to, you know, stuff. Your eye test is backed up by a lot of numbers, not really contradicted. Let's ask Mike Rupp because he's, uh, he's got a great uh, uh, combo of old, new school. Uh, Rupper, how are you, pal? Thanks for joining us. What's going on, fellas? Hopefully all right. you guys are all good. We are all good. Just, uh, you know, just to finish off this thought here, um, are you one to spend more time on the analytics or do you just kind of stick with your gut feel? watching the game um i've i've evolved i've evolved i, I was just going on gut and they're starting i'm uh, i'm starting to really i'm kind of i'm kind of going a la carte with the analytics <laughs> all right you know? so it's like you're at morton's I'm a couple i'm right? taking a couple out here and there what's that you're it's like you're at morton's you don't know you want to just take a look at the cart and see if yeah. you're gonna go yeah. asparagus you know, broccoli the button mushrooms are nice yeah, I, I like to mix up a little. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be committed with something. So maybe I just want to go straight protein. I don't want any carbs. I just want to go all the carbs off the menu. So that's kind of what I'm doing with the analytics. There's some things that I think I believe in a, a ton. Um, I, I think that the I'm still of the my, what my eye and experience tells me is what I what I what I think, and that's what my read is. And then if if I'm a little bit teetering on things, and I jump into the the analytics side, and I think there are some really great things out there, some real supportive things. And I also think there's a lot of freaking terrible things, a lot of things <laughs> pay attention to, and a lot of things that people pay attention to. That's it's there's really too many variables that go into something that I don't think is always understood. Want to get your thoughts? Uh, we got Tor- uh, Toronto and Winnipeg going at it, uh, and if we base it on on what happened last, and of course we're talking about uh, a hit that knocked out uh, rookie sensation Sandine for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're talking about uh, an incident that led to a six-game suspension for Jason Spezza that got reduced to four, and there seems to be a, a little bit of a trickle effect. And if we uh, listen closely to Sheldon Keefe's words. I think there's a part of him that hopes that maybe there is some of that emotion that's drawn in. Just your thoughts uh, in 2022 can can something that happened months ago still affect a hockey club today? I think it should. I think it should. I mean, I think you have to be controlled in it. You don't want to do anything dumb, and there's a lot of circumstances that come into play that you want to make sure you put in proper pecking order. But uh, the one thing that I that's the one thing that uh, for the fans that don't know. I played against Sheldon Keefe in his OHL career. He is feisty. He's that type. He was an agitator. He was the guy that he would definitely remember and have a long memory if something would happen in like this situation. So I like that he maybe is alluding 
to that. And, and these things shouldn't be forgotten about. Uh, you might be limited in what you can do at the moment. Um, but you know, you don't, you don't forget about those things. I mean, there was, I remember the whole, remember, I mean, different, it wasn't an injury on the play, but remember the whole Sean Avery incident with the Avery rule with Marty Berdour, right? I, I was on that team. I was with David Clarkson we we're on, and we would sit there and rack our brains because we want to get this guy back, but we're in the middle of the playoffs. How are we going to do this? Right. Mm-hmm. And we, and, and we had to, we had to like bite our lip and we had to let it go. And, and then the next year, I think Clarkson ended up fighting him, and I was always trying to get a piece of him. So there was times, like, we, we remembered for a long time, but there's certain time and place for things, and I think that's the read you have to have. Well, using all that experience you got there, you've obviously come over to the media side and applied it to your everyday uh, life. I saw you did a nice breakdown of Panarin's assist uh, the other night. You know, now that you're on this side of things, do you find yourself sounding like your coaches, like one coach in particular? (laughs) Do you wish you would listen more? Or uh, do do you feel like you picked up enough over your years? No, I think that uh, it's maybe other people's lives aren't like this, but uh, the way I, I think that I look at things is like, and we could think about the same decisions you made when you're 16 and 17. I have the worst Aztec sun tattoo on my shoulder that I got <laughs> 17 years old and in Windsor and my kids make fun of me about it every day. And I'm like, good Lord. Like if I had any kind of common sense, just a few more years and I wouldn't have done that dumb thing. But I think the same thing is like a player right now. I mean, let's let's put it this way and i think that you guys would be in the same boat i watch i watch it's not i can't even put it on a skill a million times more hockey now than i did as a player right you know what i mean so you you see things so you pick up on things and and i know i did that little i just i was messing around with it i've been doing it at home so i'll have a stretch where i'm not in for five days or so and i'm still i'm still involved i'm still entrenched in it right and i and there's certain things when i feel passionate it's like i want to say it right so i'm just grabbing a uh, colored pencil and pointing on a screen and doing that. So, I mean, it, it kind of fulfills that, that void in me um, from not playing, but at the, you know, at the same rate, you, um, it, I pick, I'm able to see things differently now mm-hmm. and I'm studying the game more now. And it's things that I, when I was playing, like I, if there was one thing, one thing that I wish I would have done as a, as a young player is just work on keeping my head up. Just keep your head up. I mean, what an easy game when you keep your head up. By the time I learned how and, and actually that the game slowed down enough when I kept my head up is when I was too old to have the speed to play anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like there was my last couple of years where I'm like, I actually have my head up and I'm seeing plays develop. And, and, and we all can think that, but in that moment, it's go, 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 go. And you're not really processing everything along the way. You're just trying to get by. So um, now I'm able to to uh, sit there in, in that video with Artemi Panarin the other night. Just like, wow, what was – like, why didn't he make that? I would have made that pass, if you guys recall the play. He comes over the blue line as a late trailer in Braden Snyder. And and you know it's there. Everyone in the arena knows. He knows. That's where I'm going. It's yeah. it's like a four-on-three rush. And the late guy trailing, the typical two guys going in the net. Panarin's got his defenseman on him. And as soon as he crosses the blue line, like, he could just lay it into an area and let Braden Snyder get it. And I would have done that. I would have been like, oh, that's a great play. But what he does is he's like, I want to make sure that Brian Dumoulin comes with me and he can't go back. And he like kind of makes a little dip inside and goes outside. Dumoulin turns his feet, and then Panarin just feathers one back, and Braden Snyder walks into one from the slot. And I'm like, I, I saw that first play as a player. Uh, I would have made it, and Dumoulin would have recovered and kind of probably squashed the play. Like, 
these things now that you're able to see, I find it incredible. And the game's getting more and more skilled. We're seeing more and more of it. God, I, I, sometimes I fantasize about going back and playing oh with gosh, your right. with 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 what you All know today <laughs> and 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 hey. wisdom and i the first thing i would have done was just every time i had the puck i, I would have found a way just to take a deep breath and the difference between certain players are out there is that that willingness just to hold on to the puck a split second longer and take that deep breath and how Things change mm-hmm. in in a split second, and it's the ones that can slow the di- the game down, you know, mentally, are the ones that have the most success. And then they can see three options where we saw one: dump it in and chase it. Right? <laughs> that was my yeah. only option. No, it was. It was, uh, you know, and maybe it was more to the type of player that I was. It was always. You know, you get the puck and all you're thinking is go, 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 go. And I don't think they're the high skilled guys think that. And even though Connor McDavid looks like he's saying go, 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 that's just natural for him. And he's able to process things. Like his, his mind is everything and his vision is everything. I mean, we all ran rave about his, um, his speed and it's incredible. But I mean, the game is really slow for him, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when he watches it and seeing things happen. And I still remember my first, uh, one of my first NHL training camps, um, Scott Gomez, and if you remember when he busted in the league, he won Rookie of the Year, but that, that's back when Rookie of the Year got 50 points. Uh, a great rookie season, wins the Calder. And um, I played against Gomer growing up, and he was always this – that his head was up the entire time. It might, been up, it might have been up more than any other player I've ever played with. Scott Gomez just skated around – he sat back in his in his you know in his stride, so his torso was up, his head was up, and you could see everything. You know what I mean? And it's like all I did is like my head was. I kind of looked in the corner of my eye up ice. <laughs> I was looking, you know, two feet in front of the puck, and I'm sitting there, and then I'm just chipping it by, and I'm I'm, I'm just straight line vision. And so yeah, man, it's it's crazy now. And I and, and you're right, the patience is everything. I mean, for as good as Kale McCarr and as talented as he is. Is there another defenseman that waits out, plays, waits out, mm-hmm. one blocker goes down, two blockers go down, goalie's floating and swimming because he's waited all the way across the net, and he just scoops it in the top corner like nothing. I don't even understand the confidence to have the stick in the air and the head up and not check back down to make sure the puck's there before you hit it. It, it truly is a baffling level of confidence and comfort with the puck. Um, so we, we were talking earlier on the show about the least fourth line. So they, they bring in this Blackwell. He's played really well, scored last game. They wanted to get Wayne Simmons back in today, and so they're sitting Blackwell. So they got a fourth line tonight, a Clifford, Spezza, and Simmons. Um, that's the best they can do in terms of a big physical fourth line. You know, what, what are your thoughts on fourth line construction and how it needs to be? You know, Kipper doesn't think the, the, the Leafs have your typical fourth line and that that could hurt them. I think the Leafs now, the brass believes that having just speed and energy can be effective in a guy like Blackwell. What are your thoughts on fourth line construction? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of of the old school and, and have a way that I think it looks. And, um, you know, I, I, I will say this though, a, just to kind of, I, I can see on both. All I care about is that I'm getting contributions from the fourth line and third line. And what does that mean? Does that mean goals? I mean, that's, that's ideal. You know, if you can get any kind of that's, that's icing on the cake. 
But what is, you know, the first thing that we know for sure is they're going to get less ice time than the top two lines or top three lines, the fourth line is not going to get as much ice time. Okay. So that's fine. If you want to go a a, a different route and not have physicality really being highlighted, and that's fine. But what are they doing with that time? Are they impacting the game and changing things in the game? Momentum in the game. And momentum, we know, could be changed a bunch of different ways. But are they doing that? If they are, then you're fine. You're good. And I think that you're okay. But chances are, if you're, if physicality is not a priority for you, chances are you're relying a little more offense to make up for something, right? And if your fourth line is getting 10 minutes, good luck with getting consistent offense from it. You know what I mean? Like, or nine minutes, eight minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is. So I just feel like as long as it, they're contributing consistently, zone time, you know, just tiring the team out, getting a right, getting a change at the right time, I'm okay with that. I, I, I would prefer. The physicality, because playoffs, I, I think you're going to need that. But, hey, if you can get contributions from your depth guys, most likely every single night, then then whatever floats your boat. But that's usually not the case. The Leafs and, and any other team in the East right now have a, a rare luxury, Rupper. Uh, no one's worried about uh, losing their playoff spot. So here we are with uh, a little over a dozen games to go. Is this a good time to start experimenting with stuff like this? I tend to think about building lineups now that have real scenarios for you in the first couple of games of the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, you guys, as far as the, I think you kind of, you know, you know, in training camp when it's like you're going into your last preseason game and you, your lineup, yeah. you're pretty much right in your, your opening night roster. So everybody knows in training camp, like if you want to play that last preseason game, I kind of feel like in the playoffs, maybe that, or sorry, the end of the regular season, maybe it's, maybe it's your last five. I don't know where that sweet spot is. Everybody probably has a different opinion, but right now, and they still got some, some time before we get to that. Um, Mike Sullivan did it last week. And, and I like it because it, when the playoffs start, you're going to have Brian Russ with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. Like that's just simply one of the top lines and you're going to do it. But what he's tried to do, and it was Malkin was, um, you know, still trying to find that winger. They could trade for Ricard Raquel. They trade for him, and I think that they will try to force feed that. That needs to work. That's why they got Ricard Raquel. Well, they're like, all right, well, maybe to help guys get going a little bit, let's put Brian Russ. He's kind of our fire starter. Let's see if he's how he is on, on line two. And they tried that for a few games. Now they went back, and now they got Jason Zucker back, all those good things. The point being, I think it's really important for coaches to find what buttons they have if need be. And now is probably the time to do it. Does that mean that, um, you know, you're going to stick with whatever, what, you know, no, it's, but I think that you need to have an idea. You don't want us to be like, Oh, we need a spark here. What should we do? Should we move up this guy? Or move well, no. Hey, remember for that four game stretch, um, a couple of weeks ago, this worked. Let's try it. You know, I think that's something that's very important to have. One thing we were uh, teasing before you came on, we wanted to get you to weigh in on, was Nathan McKinnon uh, fighting Dumba and potentially hurting his hand. You know, we we both, I think, enjoyed the McKinnon, you know, took up the mantle for his teammate there after Rantanen got run. But it does bring up a conversation of, do you want your elite guys fighting when there's such a risk to for, for injury there? Um. Yeah, I don't think it, it depends what player it is. I mean, if do I want Jack Hughes fighting? No. Do you want Matthews no, I, to I, fight? He play. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Um, <laughs> that, that's it. But I do. I actually do for him because I feel like he needs it, and that's why. And I don't remember. I don't think I've been on here with you guys since that. But that, that's why I actually think that that incident outside was a very good thing for Austin Matthews' career. He needed a moment like that, and I think he, you know, he got it there. So do I want him to? Absolutely not. We don't really want guys to fight. But if, if it's part of their edge, and I want Austin Matthews to get a little bit more of an edge, Nathan McKinnon has that edge, Sidney Crosby has that edge, don't clip their wings. Don't clip their wings because the edge is what makes them great. It makes them greater. I mean, Brad Marchand, look at that. I mean, his edge is everything. If, if Brad Marchand got the gag order and wasn't allowed to use social media and do this and that, wasn't, allowed to, wasn't able to get away with licking people and all that crap, he wouldn't be the guy he's at, he is. Right. It's, just, it's just how he is. So if, if it's, hey, uh, if, if my superstar ever lined up with someone and said, hey, uh, boys are kind of flat, let's go, I'd be like, no, man, we're not doing that. <laughs> but if you get ran or someone on your team gets run, I, I, you got you to gotta let them do their thing. And I don't care what era you are from. That stuff bleeds through your lineup. And I, for one, and I think we've had this discussion, we, we actually think that the Leafs have been a lot more physical since that incident where Matthews cross-checked Darlene. And, you know, you've seen it before with Sidney Crosby. Like, when you're watching Sidney go to battle on one-on-ones and he's not looking over his shoulder at a teammate going, can you look after this for me, please? When he's actually engaged, then how does that make 19 other guys feel? I've been in that scenario going, oh my God, if Sid's doing it, I got to do it. I, I mean, it's embarrassing if I'm not doing it and he's doing it. That's the, that's the ripple effect that you're hoping for, eh, Rupper? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still remember and just to do Sid thing, that I felt a couple things. Uh, I remember one time our team was really struggling uh, we lost, I don't know, say it was five games in a row. We're playing in Dallas. And um, you can look it up. Sidney Crosby fought Matt Niskanen when, when Niski was in, in Dallas. And uh, they line up for a face-off. We're getting spanked in Dallas. So it's like another loss is coming. And uh, Sid goes, and they kind of get into it a little bit, and they drop the gloves. And I remember, for me, you know, we were all pumped that Sid did that. Like, it showed that emotion. and gave us a lift. But I took that as I took that personally to me. Like I can't allow this. I can't. That should it should never get to that. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's where I and other guys, like not just me, because that's kind of what I did. I mean, every other guy on that team, seventeen other guys on the ice, should feel responsible because that's the last guy that we need to spark us by fighting, right? It, it didn't naturally come into play. So, so it, it woke us up. We went on like a 10-game heater after that, and, and it was a huge moment to our season and, and, and having those guys. There. And you talk about those things, and you know when you have moments like that and all the times you have scrums and you have craziness, and I just – it's my favorite memories when you get on the bus or you get on the plane. Yeah. And, you know, guys have ice bags on them. Guys have – you know, have little uh, raspberries on their on their cheekbone. They've got a, stitches on their lip. Like, and you sit there and you, you just you have a beer on the way back. The, you will. The, no one that's ever. It brings the team together more than anything else could. So those moments are, are huge moments. And when your star players let you know that they're in with you in that moment, it makes it even bigger. Let's let's end with this. I was playing in New York. Jeez, I probably shouldn't even said that. I'm not going to say which player this was. I, I was my whole goal here was to uh, not say what player it was. was a player. <laughs> we'll guess. Don't worry. Yeah. So 
uh, New York Islanders. Let's say that. Uh, it was, no, it wasn't the Islanders. But uh, <laughs> so I, I was. Uh, I was. We're in this game, and we're in MSG, and things are physical in the game, and there's things going on all over the ice. And this is when I knew things are changing. Um, this was in 2012, 2013, somewhere around that time. And we're in a locker room between periods, having a normal in between the periods. And I have a player come up to me as a young player, and he goes, "Hey, um, Rupper, I just wanted to um, let you know that uh, whatever number uh, 54 on that other team, he's all over me. So um, you won't leave me alone out there. So maybe you can uh, go and take care of him. <laughs> hitman, <laughs> professional hitman. Oh and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, I mean, just, he's just, he's got to stop. And he just walked away. And I was like, it was a kid. It was like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what do you think this is? So you, you, you talk about one situation that brings everybody together. That moment I was like, no, man, I'm on an Island here. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? We're in this together, you know? And like, it, it, that was a crazy time. And, and so it kind of maybe gives a little bit of a, uh, an idea of, of what these things can do for a hockey club or do against them. I was in Washington, and Peter Bondra just joined our, our team, and Bonsai, hell of a player, eh? Yeah. But he, same sim, similar situation. He's like, he comes over to me and Alan May, and he's like, this guy's kind of, you know, bothering me. And, and Alan May goes to him, maybe you don't want to spear him next time? <laughs> like, maybe you just want to start there? Yeah. Maybe, you know? Seems like you're a little responsible for this. Hey, Rupper, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, fellas. Enjoy. Talk to you later. Mike Rupp, NHL Network. Anyways, I mean, no problem. We we, we know what our roles are, trust me. Right. But, you know... Help yeah, us out a little yeah, yeah, bit. Yeah, like at least, uh, at least pretend like you're uh, in the same corner with me. That's an, that was quite a story. Well, it's wild though. Like it I, does I told happen it. though. It, it and it. I don't again. I don't care where you are today, ten years ago, fifty years ago. Yeah, there's some guys that just say that's not that's not me. That I'm not doing but Kipper, that. Uh, it's not me. It's not who I am. But some of my best memories in hockey are walking into the dressing room while the game's still going on and four other guys on your team are coming with you because there was just complete mayhem out there and telling stories, what you adrenaline through the roof and, you know, like that. It's a uniting thing. I am really interested to see if if that vibe today really started by Sheldon today with the I hope so comment about the physicalities. Well, and he dressed this lineup. I wonder if Winnipeg isn't 1% it's, it's not, offended it's, it's by not the like lineup. Wayne Simmons has earned a chance to get back in the lineup. It's not like someone has uh, been horrible to get him in the lineup. This is just Sheldon making this decision for no other reason, I believe, because of their last incident in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think it's protective, not so, uh, proactive. I think I, he's... I'm really curious to see how this thing plays out throughout the roster. Yeah. And if it does bleed into the... Does it make guys now feel a little uncomfortable? Does it take a them pressure to go out, of, out of their comfort zone a little bit for Good. this team? Good. Get uncomfortable. Get in these situations where you feel like it's a pressure environment. I, I think it's good for them. Um, I wanted to tell two quick Gomez stories. He talked about having uh, your head up when you play. And I don't know how you felt about your own game, but that was something that I you know, could have worked on myself too. But I saw Gomez play in the ECHL when, uh, during the lockout. He's from Alaska. I was playing in Alaska. He came up and played for the Aces. 
You should have seen the mockery a guy with Scott Gomez's vision and head up can make of a league that low, and it's Olympic-sized ice. Oh he my. could have just had the puck the whole time. I remember one power play where he physically stood up straight with the puck. He just kept it at his feet, and he directed traffic with his glove, bent back down, ding, ding, backdoor goal. Like, he could see plays that players at that level just couldn't. The guys that were playing with him must have just oh. been like, oh, this is my the best Gomez thing ever. Gomez led the league in scoring that year. He had 13 goals, I think. It was like 13 goals and 58 assists or something. Like, it was completely ridiculous. That is... Uh, yeah, special. That, that, yeah, that's special, and that's uh, he the had, ability... Oh, Yo, four. Yeah, it sounds that's right. That's the lockout. He had 86 points in 61 games, 13 goals, 73 assists. <laughs> but that's a guy that can that can take deep breaths when he's out in the ice yeah. and slow things down to the point where he can point direction. Yeah, literally stand up straight with a hockey puck. Imagine doing yeah. that in the NHL. Yeah. Not really an option. All right. Um, earlier, I, I discussed Bruce Cassidy, and I like Bruce Cassidy. Sometimes you hear stories like the Bruins players hate him, and he's a pain in the ass, and... Good, good it's coaches just, uh, opinion, yeah. It's just, uh, it's worn out, it's welcome. Who knows, if the Bruins go out early in their first round, I don't know whether or not they need make a change for the sake of making a change. Mm. I like them, though. Yeah. Uh, every time, you know, we, we've covered, I've covered the Bruins, I welcome listening to this guy. I, I, he just doesn't talk for the sake of talking. I think he tries to make some some good points, and, and one of them was uh, on analytics. Uh, let's, do we have that clip? We do. It's a, it's a little on the longer side, but two minutes. All right. Well, we'll get out of it if we get bored. But, but it's pretty good the whole way through. It's, it's pretty good. really good. Yeah. So let's just have a listen. Uh, well, they'll give us always give us the the next look. We'll have the jersey uh, analytics on our desk this morning, where where they're vulnerable, where they're good, et cetera. Um, and that can go to every category. So you can take as much out of it as you want. We can't go in as coaches in a pregame meeting and tell them, okay, New Jersey's 15th in neutral zone. You know what I mean? Like, the, you'll lose the players. But for us, it's a tool, okay, <clears throat> they don't defend the blue line well. All right? Let's, I'm not saying they – I'm just using this as an example. Uh, they enter with, with, with puck possession a lot. So, okay, so our neutral zone defense tomorrow needs to be, if that's the case, needs to be really rock solid so we force some dumps because they're not used to that. They don't generate off a forecheck. You get stuff like that to help build your game plan. That's what the analytics does for the staff for the most part. Uh, special teams may be that, you know, not good on face-offs. Okay, let's make sure we dig in and, you know, on, and help. Or maybe we have a set alignment. We can run a play because we know we're going to win more than we're going to lose. So we'll always get that. We'll get 10-day ten, ten breakdowns of us versus the whole league in terms of expected, non-expected. So how, basically dictates how you're playing. And then they actually label it. There's four quadrants. There's high activity, poor uh, vanilla, quiet, and there's good type of thing. So you, you can sort of see where your team is over a stretch of time. And you could probably make those five-game segments, whatever you want. We've chosen 10 because so, that's a fairly accurate, you know, number of, um, uh, of, of, da of data that you can sort of say, okay, are there tendencies developing in our game we like and don't like? So that, that's how we use them. We'll make a few calls a year if there's a number in there that's, looks off okay how come how do, how do you calculate at first it was how do you calculate because there are a lot of different columns in there and a lot of nerds upstairs inventing new columns too so um and and good for them you know it gives them something to do keeps them busy keeps them upstairs not downstairs but uh some of those columns then you end up oh that's a good one i like that one so like anything there you go and we have two good guys up there by the way they're good nerds okay all right so <clears throat> Right there. 
That is the best part right there. You like the throat clear at the end? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Keep the nerds upstairs. It is good. It is good. I, you know, I, I have seen uh, over the years, so when they tried to integrate this stuff, yeah. when the, the nerds, and I air quotes on that, we're like in the room with the coaches trying to get them to use the information. The dynamic's no good. It's better to have them presented with the information than and have a go-between. They don't speak the same language, right? Like yes. you can't, the communication is literal different languages. That, that clip is the quantification. Is that a word, quantification? Sure. That clip is what Rupp said quantified with taking bits that he finds interesting and how you apply them, right? Sure. Because I think it's a sort of a, it's a bit taboo to bring it up still, but good coaching is figuring out having how you use it, how you use it, right? Like, it's yeah. it, I, that's a perfect clip. What were your thoughts, Skipper? No, uh, that, yeah, I do want that information. And it's interesting even uh, to hear Bruce Cassidy say that even if we tried to explain it to them, we'd lose them. Yeah. So that For tells sure. you that they just got the attention span of a, of a fly. Well, uh, but, so much of coaching is right? how do you get the guys to do these things without making it feel like they're in school? Because these guys play sports. They're not school guys, by and large. You know, the, um, the interest, what I took to is the idea of, all right, you get this ma- massive amount of information and you go through it and you go, okay, New Jersey's awesome at entering the zone of the puck. Look, at statistically, they're the best in the league. How do we make them dump the puck? And then you can come up with a game plan and say, you know, let's make them uncomfortable, get them somewhere that they're not. So you can see how how data can lead to actual coaching. And you never have to tell the players we're doing this because New Jersey yeah. is, you know, second in zone entries. The other thing I got out of there is that there, there's still that kind of not an animosity, but there's there's a there's a real fine line and I know he's joking around that, you know, keep him upstairs. Mm-hmm. But there, there is a sense that either through some who are more secure than others and whether or not, you know, these guys think that they should be in the room or they're trying to become hockey guys as well as analytic guys. But there is, uh, there is still a, that, that line where you, you stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. Don't think you're a hockey guy. You're an, a numbers guy. It's still out there. It is. For sure it's out there and probably shouldn't be. But it, but there's a definite divide. I, I will say, like, the the tough part is that some of the people who are really, really good at the math and can answer so many questions don't know which questions to ask. You know, they're not sure what to look into on the ice. They, can, they could do it if you tell them, could you look into this and here's why it's interesting? They could do it, but they don't know what to ask. And then you have the coaches, and they're not even sure sometimes that they don't know that these guys could find them quantitative answers. So getting to that middle ground, again, it's it's the teams trying to find that middle ground, you know, find that communication. I will say, Kipper, I once upon a time pre-pandemic um, talked with an NHL team about a role that they were going to create as like a go-between between the hockey department and the analytics department, sit in the coach's office, go through the numbers and bring them the relevant things from the pack and say, here's what I find interesting, what you may want to use in the next game. You know, it, it, it fell through basically, you know, at the start of pandemic and I had another kid and it's not happening now, but, <laughs> but it, you know, that I think there will be a growth in that field where you're trying to get people who can speak both yeah. languages. Nine games on tap tonight, including uh, Bruce Cassidy and his Boston Bruins against New Jersey. It's it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, we're watching the Boston Bruins going to, into the Leaf game 
being one of the hottest teams in hockey. Mm-hmm. They've been really lights out since mid-February. Then they lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the next day, Bruce Cassidy says, oh, there's going to be lineup changes. There has to be. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's completely opposite of, say, Sheldon Keefe, who, you know, it's like pulling teeth for lineup changes. Yeah. And then it gets even more confusing when he does it and the team's playing well. Yeah. You know, they, they it is a thing here that, that we've noticed, right, that he's very married to... Some people have to be in certain places in the lineup. And, yeah, so we haven't seen a whole lot of turnover throughout the, the years. We'll see how that works out come playoff time. But So what do you have, uh, JB, on your, your best bets tonight? Because uh, I'd like to know the odds of Wayne Simmons dropping his gloves tonight. They, I think they get better and better as we get to puck drop. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, if you're talking about best bets... I would love. Can you parlay the over with minus one and a half for the Leafs? Uh, you might be able to. You really think the Leafs are going to go running away, huh? I just think there's going to be a lot of goals. <laughs> I think that the Jets have a good offense. The Leafs have Dahlstrom and Lilligren as a pair. Shawgren's a net. They're bad defensively. I, I really think there's going to be a lot of goals tonight, and I would like to parlay. Well, then it's things. a foregone conclusion that uh, Austin uh, nets his 50th and 51st. Sammy, your bet plays you pays you plus one seventy five. Ugh, that it? I know that's not great, but uh, doing just the Leafs and oh, and also I did the over at five and a half. The real over is six and a half, so you could probably juice that up and and get plus two hundred or something. Uh, Can you here? Here's now I'm getting into this un- is in bet builder. By I'm the way. getting into uncut gems uh, territory <laughs> here. Uh, but can you parlay Matthews two goals with that? <laughs> yeah, we we can certainly do that for you. I like that. I I feel like it's going to be kind of a, I think it's going to be a big night. I'm excited to go to the rink tonight. Is it plus six fifty? Can, can mm. they can they just win again, like Florida, where they only give up two goals? Like, do you really want to see another seven four win by the Leafs here? Well, we're due for one. Well, I I just think that uh, Shelgren's in net. Like, are we not due to see this guy? I don't know. He They hit three posts on him in Boston. Let's not forget it was posts and crossbars galore, and he gave up three. Like, there's a chance that he gives up a bunch and they got to outscore the problems. I don't know. And also, Winnipeg is tired. I We mentioned there, I sent you guys the stats. The Jets' defense is terrible. They're weak everywhere that the, the Leafs' offense is great. I expect a lot of goals tonight is my point. That's why I'm doing my uncut gems parlay of Leafs minus one and a half. The over and Austin Matthews, two goals. Plus 650. Kipper, what do you think about Nathan McKinnon returning, uh, potentially yeah. not injured? Well, what are it, your thoughts it, on he that? He is uh, injured. Uh, my first thought is that he's he broke, he broke a finger. He broke something. But it's not, it's not uh, bad enough where he can't close his hand on a stick. So play. I'm kind of surprised, though, at, at where they are in the standings. And why wouldn't you... Give this guy two weeks off. I don't know. Let 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 a finger heal. I do feel like there's some defensiveness about this fight that like they don't want to be seen. Like, yeah, see, it wasn't a problem. It was a good thing. Everyone wants to defend how that decision was made and how it played out. I don't know. So the Canucks are all but cooked. They they lose last night to St. Louis. Back to back games now. You think they're done? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a clip, in them. I saw a clip of Thatcher Demko destroy his stick. 
after one of the goals went in or at the end of the game. Yeah. And just looked like a guy. It's like, yeah, well, it's probably over. Did you guys uh, see the unfortunate incident with uh, Clayton Keller? Couldn't watch it. I did watch it. Couldn't watch it. Broken femur, I think. No, is it his femur? Oh. Uh, that's the early report right now, and yeah, no surgery. I that's that's what I'm hearing. That the video, he's going in both legs, yeah. laid feet first into the. Is one of those ones you're going through the fingers. Uh, tough, I tough feel the, so bad for him. Tough for the golf season. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, scratch. That's the issue. He's a scratch. Keller's a scratch yeah, golfer. Yeah. There's a clip of him and Dowdy talking. Sammy, why don't you just go to Don Valley now and well, get it over with? The guy's playing in. I was gonna swear. I almost swore. And you know what? Arizona—they're the worst team in the league. There's yeah. whatever ten minutes, ten. How many games left? Yeah, ten yeah, games whatever. left. Dozen. And he loves to golf. Breaks his femur. Terrible. You I've, played I've, down there, True North, Weekopa. No, I'd love to go to Arizona. Play golf. Yeah, that's a great good one. Yeah. It's so funny now. every time you tee off uh, uh, rattlesnakes. So don't go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't go looking yeah. for your ball. <laughs> don't, go <looking> for your <laughs> no, ball. don't be a fool. Don't I'm go like, to the don't go to the viper pit looking for your tight list over there. <laughs> yeah. Literal coyotes. Yeah. All right. So final score tonight, Sammy. Seven four. Uh, five uh, five six four Leafs with an empty netter by Austin Matthews for a second to cash my parlay. What could Shelgren do to make you wonder if you should start him in the playoffs? Anything? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, my gosh. It's like, this isn't going to be dicey from here on in. Dicey? Yeah. yeah. That's one word for it. Dicey. Dicey. Yeah. Um, no, it's I, vulnerable right now, guys. The thing is, he's played well. He's put together good games. The yeah. team has played well in front of him. This happens all the time where there's, like, an injury and someone plays out of their depth in the roster spot. They have, like, five good games and people go, should we keep – this is working. Maybe we – and then there's a reason that person doesn't actually occupy that spot, and you learn about it eventually. He's gone through his five games here. I'm a little worried that it's just going to catch up with him. Yeah, Cinderella, right? The they, old pumpkin. The old twelve o'clock midnight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they beat him clean. They hit some hard posts. Boston. Boston. Yeah. Sammy's going to have to start chanting, Jack. No, Jack. I'm not going to start chanting anything. Jack. I'm a professional. I'm a big J journalist. I sit oh, in the press yeah. box. Big I don't, J oh, I don't, I don't hey, cheer. I don't do anything. Zigzags, what's your team yes, called? The zigzags. Yeah, they're listening right now. Yes. Okay? Yeah. You are going to be like uh, the, the Mark Messier of your men's team where after the game, yeah. <laughs> no nobody leaves until Sammy leaves oh. and they find out where Sammy's going <laughs> oh, and then you go. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd rather walk into a bar with Mark Messier than, yeah. you know, with, Brian Noonan. Guess, guess what? Sammy's that's going to old, Boston and that, Pizza and, in Oshawa. And that's where the Mark Messier comparison stops. <laughs> Sammy, uh, horses out of the barn, baby. Uh, you are the no. cock of the walk. Oh, stop. Sorry, I didn't mean to say Oshawa either. It's Owen Sound. Owen yeah, Sound. Yeah, whatever. All right, Toronto and Winnipeg tonight. We'll see if the Leafs can keep the momentum going. Huge lineup changes. We expect. <laughs> wow, come on. Black Work with me. Out. Okay, Blackwell's sorry. out. He <laughs> called you out on overselling that one. <laughs> I hope Sheldon didn't oversell a, a little bit of this. Uh, hey, I hope so. Yeah. Go get them. Go get them. They're All arrested. Right. Jets aren't. Get after it. Nine games on tap. As we said, the marquee one, Toronto and Winnipeg. Our thanks to Mike Rupp, Sean Reynolds, from Sportsnet, and of course, JB, Sammy.
Jennifer and Derek, always a pleasure. And you, Thanks Kemper. for watching and listening. Give us a rating and review on our podcast. Keep the chats going. We love having you around. Have a great night, everybody.